The following transmission is an utterly nonsense podcast exclusive presentation. Cue that motherfucker. It has been a year since we did the Halloween special, and we're doing another one. Why? Because there's a Halloween reboot? Would you call it a reboot? Uh, unintended sequel? It's, it's a sequel that retcons all the other sequels. So I guess it's kind of a reboot, but it's also a sequel, so it's a rebootquel? Yeah. A requel? A requel, yeah. I like that. It's like, it's like Rob Zombie fucking the franchise, but not. But this time it's John Carpenter. Yeah. But, uh... Now, I didn't think it was a bad thing. Um, that and also Venom came out this month, which uh, we didn't get to talk about yet, but I do want to talk about that. Speaking of it, your, your picture on Discord is uh, Venom. Yeah, it is. So I'm sure you have some choice words for the movie. So let, I will say let's start with Venom since that movie came out first. So this movie, uh, obviously, I've been talking about it, and I mentioned in the Joker video, the one I did about the whole Joaquin Phoenix thing, that I'd get to this topic at a later date. And the main thing, the main problem I had, and still have after seeing it, is that the core story of Venom is is linked to Spider-Man, inextricably linked. And the, the reason for him coming about was his and Eddie Brock's hatred of Spider-Man. And that's the, I, I'm pretty sure, the more or less the reason why they bond so well. And of course, you know, you don't get any of that in the movie because of no Spider-Man. Uh, what did you think about that? Was that disappointing for you? I mean, I knew going in that there wasn't going to be like any kind of hate for Spider-Man or any of his basic origins. I thought it was going to be... I don't know exactly what I thought it was going to... I don't know. It didn't bother me as much as it probably did for a lot of people like you or anyone that was like hardcore needed to see like the Spider-Man 3 all over but with no Toby. Right. And <laughs> no toe for Grace. <laughs> hey, Parker. I like being bad. <laughs> yeah, this time, of course, we have Tom Hardy, who, like I've said before, also played Bane. Bane uses Venom. Now Bane is Venom. But I just thought, like, he doesn't even really act like Eddie Brock, does he? Isn't Eddie Brock supposed to be a, a huge jock? Uh, I say he's more stupid than jockish. Like, Flash is a jock, but, like, Eddie was just, like, mm. a disappointing failure as a journalist. But then this Eddie yeah, is, like, this, yeah. like, hyped-up, successful, top-of-the-chain reporter, has his own show, and it just seems like he's basically a smart guy. I mean, when he went to uh, the Life Foundation and he was talking to them about their projects, I mean, either he really did good research on it or he's just, he understands what they're doing. And I feel like that's not a real Eddie Brock character, like quality. Yeah, like he seemed more or less on top of things, but for one reason or another, life just shits on him. It's yeah. kind of because this guy who was, you know, in control of the company. It's it's such a stereotypical villain. Big sociopathic co- uh, corporate CEO guy, of course, wants to do something evil because he thinks it's good and whatever. And, you know, anyway, the story goes, uh, Eddie Brock tries to expose something wrong. They were doing human experiments. And he says, all right, uh, you're leaving and you lost your job and your girlfriend lost her job and now she dumped you and now you have no job and now you're living in some shitty apartment. It, like, the whole movie for me was just generic. 
like the whole conflict, the the, the fight scene, it felt like um, what was it Incredible Hulk? You're just watching two CGI monsters slam into each other. That and the story is more or less is a guy fighting his own insecurities, right? I feel like it was just Tom Hardy got drunk and passed out and had a bad dream because you have the you know guy tries to do good, but life shits on him, so he gets a power and he's able to do the good. And then it's about him losing all the things that he likes, like, you know, his job. He's like, has a TV show. He loses that. He loses the place where he lives because it was with his girlfriend. I guess she owned it. And he loses her, too. And then it's just the quest to get those all back, essentially. Very basic. I mean, to be fair, he wouldn't have lost her if he hadn't betrayed her trust. It had nothing, it didn't even have anything to do with the guy. It had more to do with, like, Eddie just knowing his boundaries. Yeah, right. What was it? The the files he found some files on her laptop. Yeah, the and she had. Uh, yeah, that's how he found out that they were doing the human test trials. But like, why would she be so bad at him? Like, she knows it's his job to get to the bottom of things. I mean, everyone told him, "Hey, don't do this," and then he did it. So, like, I well, I understand that if he hadn't, world would probably be in a terrible fucking mess. But I mean, he did get told, hey, don't do this, and he did it, and then he had to suffer for his consequence. He had to suffer with the consequences. I don't know. It felt a little contrived to me. Oh, yeah. It's always. always, It's like the same thing that happens to Spider-Man. Yeah, right. And another thing, the way they bond, I felt, was just... The pacing was just a little too quick. Like, it was just... The movie, really, is only an hour and a half. 20 minutes of it is actually credits. You mean from... You're a loser, Eddie. We are going to take over your society. I've decided I like you. I am also a loser. Yeah. Like, it's so fast. Venom is, is, is like, almost bipolar. The first time that they bond, he's like, I'm taking you over because I need to survive long enough to take over your whole planet. And then he's like, like, literally, what was it? It could have been maybe 10 or 15 minutes later in the movie because Venom doesn't actually appear until almost an hour in. I was timing it. And, uh, and, and like I said, the movie's ending is out an hour and a half in. So he goes from, yeah, I'm just using you to, you know what, I like you. We're going to stick around and we're going to prevent my entire race from invading this planet. Like, it was just weird. I don't understand that either. Like, what was the plot? Like, what's the plot about their the species invading? Like, what's Venom going to stop? How's he going to stop them from doing it? I, I, I don't know. It Like, it didn't make sense how they were going to invade. The only thing... That ended up happening was, I don't know, the uh, the gang leader, the ringleader symbiote bonded with the very, very unthreatening skinny sociopath guy and wanted to fly back into space with the rocket. Why? I, I didn't get that. I didn't I didn't get how uh, the other symbiotes died. Um, apparently, they can't just bond with anyone. They need some kind of genetic match or something like that or somebody stable enough to hold the, the bonding process. So when yeah, they would but try to die from because they had them try it with multiple different hosts, but then I guess the host just like Eddie was getting sick from having Venom attached to him, and that's why like they removed them. Like, do the symbiotes have control over how much they deplete somebody? Or uh, well, what I th- I think it might have been, and they yeah they didn't really explain it well in the movie. I think it might have been, uh, or I'll say what it should have been is the symbiotes aren't accustomed to Earth's environment. So in order to survive, they need to latch on to a creature that is accustomed to Earth's environment. So say humans, since they're at the top of the food chain. And the reason why Venom is always so ravenous is because it's either he gets 
his chemical nutrition from, you know, Eddie eating food, or he has to start sucking away the nutrients from his organs, and that's what kills him. Okay, so you think it's either a feed, feed the symbiote, or you get eaten kind of thing. Yeah, so essentially, if you're not constantly feeding, it's like having a parasite. Even in your, yeah. your intestines, you have to eat more, or else you get it sickly. Like, I know there was a, uh alternate universe where Spidey kept wearing the black suit for, like, 40 years, and eventually they, like, pulled it off because of a sonic scream or something, and underneath was just a skeleton. Like, Peter had been dead for years. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I think that was originally the whole thread of it, right? That if he didn't take it off, it would have taken him over? Well, it was taking him over, but it was also... It was... Venom amplified his, like, negative emotions and all that stuff. Yeah. And he just... You don't see that in this, do you? I mean, he did make him act pretty crazy at that restaurant. True, but I felt like that was him losing control Nicolas Cage style rather than just acting out on his impulses. Let's not do a Ghost Rider 2 thing. Yeah, like Ghost Rider 2 when he's all like, there's something (laughs) real deep inside me itching to get out. How do you phrase it? Knocking on the door. I don't remember. I just remember him screaming. (laughs) Yeah, and then he just rides off on the motorcycle while his face is morphing. I wish they made a third one. But I, I don't know. I didn't. I don't like the characterization of Venom either. How they were like, "I am a loser." Like Venom, I, it feels like they just didn't read his background. They just took a symbiote. They were like, "Oh, there's a bunch of known symbiotes. We'll make one of them the villain. Save Carnage for the second one." And just like Venom is just a corrupted version of the. I don't even know how to pronounce the species name. What is it? Clebar. Uh, it begins with a K. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Uh, I have no idea. I just call him symbiotes. But I don't know. Just making him like sound was weak against Riot. One of his fucking kids. Oh yeah, th- right. Isn't that one of his uh, his offspring in the comics? But I guess not in this one. Yeah, he was like forced to have it. Okay, so yeah, but in this one, it's they all come in a group, and and yeah. Riot is the leader. Oh yeah. So th- th- there's no there's no decision making on how they get their names. It's just those are their names. For some reason, they have English word names. And it's not like something where they say, oh, yeah, we have a names back on our planet. And this is the English version, which we learned because we, I don't know, scanned your brain for language. No, it's just, I am Venom. And now we are Venom. And this is Riot. Why do they call that? Eh, doesn't matter. What? Who cares? That's the names. Just go with it. It's a movie. Buy it. Look, I want to know who the other two were. Like the ones that died. Was it? Was that supposed to be like... Scream or uh, Hybrid was one of them supposed to be Toxin Mania, but there's like because there's like so many people that it could have been they could have had so many cooler like symbiotes in there, and then they're like, yeah, we're just gonna have two that look almost alike when they're fighting each other. Right. Like the yellow one would have been cool to see, or what was the other one, blue or green? I don't know. But that was another thing for me, like watching them fight the uh, you know Venom and this Riot thing, which is I mean it was kind of interesting how it created these large weapons but i just thought the cg was really distractingly cartoonish and i don't know that they could have made it better with the kind of thing they're working with because it just seems like cg on film on a big screen just doesn't take well to liquid things like skin and liquids they just or or shall i say alien type liquids they don't they don't do well with with transformers i think since it's all machinery, machinery and like landscapes, they get fine. But when it comes to organic things, it just does not look right. I, know, I like that they, I like that they gave Riot like Carnage's fucking like weapons, like his ability to do that. But 
don't know. I feel like how, how did you respond to seeing Woody Harrelson as Venom? I mean, as Carnage? Uh, I actually didn't even stay for a post credit scene. Does he actually oh. come out as Carnage, or is it just uh, Cletus Cassidy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Cletus Cassidy. Yeah. I, I read about it. He visits him in, what, is it prison or something? Is that the uh, the guy that he says he got an interview with at the end of the movie? Yeah. All right, well. Like, he just goes, and he's like, he only wants to speak to you. But uh, when they get there, he's like, I will. He's like, Eddie, when I get out of here, and trust me, I will get out of here, there's going to be carnage. <laughs> it's like, and he's in this, like, uh, you've seen Gotham, right? A little bit, not much. Uh. No, it's not even that. It's not even like his bet. Like I was gonna say, the the kid Jerome that's playing the Joker, but yeah. it's not even that bad. His red wig is so fucking bad. He wears a wig. Yeah, they have him like with the red hair. They have Woody Harrelson wearing like a red wig that has like curly red hair. So oh, he looks like sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, that's my God. what he looks like. It's fucking terrible. But is it worse than Jesse Eisenberg's wig when he was Lex Luthor in uh, Dawn of Justice? Yeah, uh, it might have been. It's, I think it's worse. Well, that's pretty bad. But what was it? Venom, I read, had about a $100 million budget, not including marketing, whatever. And it's already made, what, around $400 million? So who knows? They'll probably make another one anyway. But yeah, I, I did not think it was good. I thought it was way, way generic. And again, you're lacking the whole entire basis for why Venom initially exists. I mean, can we talk about that they made it a fucking joke? Like... I know they're not supposed to go DC dark, but they went they went Marvel comedy wise. Yeah, like, they did. When it should have been a dark film, I mean, he chomps off people's uh, brains a couple of times, but it's it's like every time he does it, they kind of sink off screen a little bit, so you don't actually see it. There wasn't a drop of blood in that movie. No, no, I don't think so. Maybe you know when he gets the typical movie cuts on his face due to going through yeah. action. I I I think Seth MacFarlane, not Seth MacFarlane. Todd McFarlane said, you can't make a Venom movie because he can't be the protagonist. And and this is why. Because if it's an origin film especially, what are you going to do? It's just going to be something generic, which is what turned out. I still like the fight scenes and I like seeing Venom on screen. I just disappoint with the route they went. Yeah. yeah but I, uh, So speaking of uh, routes they took with it, how do you feel about the new Halloween? Well, I'll, I will say this. Going in to this new Halloween, looking at the trailer... I, I think I you posted it on Facebook once, and I, I put a comment on it. I said it, lo- it looks like kind of a joke, because they're showing Michael Myers standing out in broad daylight. And it's like Jamie Lee Curtis, who looks like an 80-year-old grandma, holding a freaking rifle, shooting down all these dummies. It's like, uh, I, I think I read somewhere, somebody had a name for the movie, a nickname, called it Grambo. Because it, it looks like <laughs> she's trying to be Rambo. It's like, I'm, I'm coming for you, Michael, here I come. Oh, Grandma's going to take down the boogeyman. But uh, surprisingly, it wasn't cheesy like that. I didn't think it was that corny. I thought that they made a lot of good nods to the original. There were a lot of scene parallels. The scenes where he does kill people. uh, Yes, he he kills people. Spoiler. In daylight, uh, they're not bad. Because they keep to what I said they should do, is keep him in obscurity. That was like a staple of the original Halloween, is when they're showing him, they don't actually show him or all of him it's like the, the you know the camera's looming you know he's stalking and you're just waiting for it to happen and then when he's doing the kills you like see bits and pieces of him but never the whole thing and i thought they kept yeah. to that really well it's like the jaws rule just 
make all of the horror happen in the mind. Even the kills, some of them, or a few of them are done off screen, but you know exactly what's happening. Oh, dude, the one with the fucking jaw, though. Oh, my God. That was messed up. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Mirrors? No. Uh, there was a scene in this one, because it was about, like, this, like demons in the mirror or whatever. This girl looked at her reflection and then walked away to go sit in her tub, and the reflection just was staring back at her, like, watching her down in the tub, relaxing, and she just starts grabbing her jaw and ripping it down. Ooh. And then the girl in the tub is reflecting, is, uh, it's happening to her. And the spirit's not feeling anything, and she's just ripping it down. You see, like, the cheeks ripping, the skin's tearing, and all the blood just gushing out. And I just figured Michael did that in, like, ten seconds. Yeah, or less, just because gonna... nobody heard it, apparently. Like, he just ripped that down. There was no resistance. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's a that's a good bit of body horror. See, that, that I thought that was a good thing about it. Like, you don't see it happen. It's not, like, in a very overtly gory movie, even. But there's a lot of suggestion of what he is doing like even the more brutal kills like a couple of times he sticks the knife through people's necks and they go oh, no, no, no. Yeah. but it's in the dark so you don't very you'll see it very explicitly i like the one boyfriend of the blonde that was like you don't even see what happens to him but like the police officer is leaving the house and you just see the boy like like hung up on the wall yep just like in the original oh uh, yeah he he rated that tw he like the ghost like the sheet with the ghost uh-huh over the girl. Like, I I get it. There was the callbacks. But do you really think Michael cared about it that much? Uh, well, I think what they... You really think a guy that walked into a house after he grabbed a hammer killed someone, and this went to the next store house, too, and just kept going like that, is really going to be like, oh, hey, a teenager. Haha, <laughs> I'm going to cover her with a sheet like we did in the first time 40 years ago. Well, one thing I think they try to communicate is that, like the reason he does all this is because he's perpetually trying to recreate the memory of what he did when he was a kid and he killed his sister uh actually in the remakes he also killed his uh his father too but yeah the main thing is that whatever drove him to uh kill his sister when he was younger it's the same driving force that drives him to kill now and it's just he has some kind of psychotic need to just keep doing it over and over so he kills anyone that looks like his sister, kills anyone that looks like somebody he's already killed in the same way that he's already done. I don't know. I guess he's a uh, a beast of habit. And also pretty much anyone within his radius of interest. Unless they're a baby, evidently. Yeah. Or, I mean, dancing kids apparently aren't saved from him. Dancing kids? Uh, The kid in the beginning that was like, I don't want to hunt. I'll go hunting with you on weekends, but I like dancing. Oh, and then yeah. Michael snapped his fucking neck in the car. Yeah, well, he wanted the car. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about that weird uh, doctor guy? I knew it from the beginning that he had a fascinate that he wasn't like Loomis, that he wanted to be like Michael. That's why he wasn't injured, because he let Michael loose. Yeah, that's what I figured, but they never say that he does. But I thought, well, what else could it have been? Well, here's the thing, though. Michael ended up killing him anyway, because he didn't care for it. Yeah. So, why wouldn't if he? Why wouldn't he have killed them back on the bus? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, what left him alive? Unless he just pretended to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the um again the way he escapes is uh they're doing a transfer and they're transferring him to what's supposed to be essentially a place you go to die. Like they've given up on like a superman giving you care. Yeah, you're just going there to be locked up for the rest of your natural life. 
And so, of course, during the transfer, he something happens to the bus and he breaks free. And it's this guy and his boy who doesn't want to go hunting. He'd rather be dancing. They come across the bus and there's all the crazies walking around. So the father gets out to look. And, you know, of course, he disappears. And then we already know what happens to the kid because you mentioned it. But the thing yeah. is, is that this doctor guy who said, oh, yeah, I'm studying Michael now. He's he's alive in the back of the bus. So why why was he spared? I know. Why was the little black kid spared? Oh, that kid was... He was the best. Yeah, he was the best he, character in yeah, the freaking movie. Yeah, he was the best part of the movie. And here's the one plot hole in the movie. We never, we don't know what happens to him. He runs out, and then we, we never see him again. Why did Michael go after the two... Like, Tommy and them in the first one. Like, he chased those kids. Like, he was going to kill them, too. Besides just Lori. Yeah. But in this one, like, like all those little kids bumped into him and all that stuff, and he didn't care. Yeah, well, he doesn't seem to kill in very public situations. It's only... I was going to say, he killed the gas station. Yeah, but that was because he wanted to get to the um, journalists who had his mask. How did he find them? Uh, you, actually, there's a very, very brief scene. It, like, cuts away so fast where they show them visiting the cemetery where his sister is buried. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's right. standing there. Yeah in the distant and he's like out of focus and, they, and it, you only see it for like a, maybe half a second and it cuts away but I caught that and then soon after that you see uh you see Laurie standing outside the window of uh, her granddaughter's school and, and I I said to my uh my mom who I watched it with I said look she's standing right there like Michael does she's stalking oh yeah that that was another callback to the first one when she looked outside the window and saw Michael and then he wasn't there anymore yeah didn't that happen with the clothes too like, she looked outside her bedroom window and saw him, like, at the clotheslines. I think so. It, it, like, like, between the sheets. Almost every scene with Laurie in, you know, not in the center of the scene was a callback to something Michael did. Because they're trying to show... You mean, like... Huh? The roof? The roof scene? Yeah. When he uh, knocked her out the window? Yeah. Yeah, again, just like the first one. I thought this was great. You know, they're in a fight, and Michael knocks her off a balcony... And he looks down, sees her there, then he gets distracted for a moment, looks back, and she's gone. Right right off of the uh, the ground. And it's just like the ending of the first one. And then, now here's something I picked up on. In that moment, up until this point, Michael, as I said, is always seen in shadow and you're never seeing him in full view. But then, from that point, after she disappears, you do see him in full view and in somewhat of a compromising situation. Because he's like trying to lift that... uh kitchen sink away from the trap door and he's like struggling but you don't see Laurie until she appears with just her face emerging from the darkness and then she stabs at him just like he does and then even the granddaughter at one point picks up the knife and stabs at him just the way he he does and you know the last thing you see is her clutching it whoa spoiler I already said spoiler <laughs> but what do you think about the end with the fire how he's not there yeah, I didn't. I don't know about that, right? Wait, it's it, like sh the last time it shows the fire, he's not there. Like it, it like shows that shot of the basement, and he's not there anymore. Yeah, you don't see his face staring up. It's just there's just nothing in it. And if we are to believe he died in fire, that's a similar ending to the ending of Halloween too. So both direct sequels to the first one have him supposedly dying in fire. But he never dies. Yeah, evidently not. Did you stay all the way to the end of the credits? No. This, what did they show? This one I stayed for because I, um, I don't know, I, I, I like checked to see if there was something. 
and you don't see anything, but you do hear something, and here's a hint. And that's it. Smoke inhalation? No, it's it's his tip. It's his um signature breathing, his mouth breathing. Yeah, but um. And the movie's already made over a hundred million off an about ten million dollar budget. So you know what that means. Sequel. Yeah, and hasn't even been a week. So they're gonna make another. You know, you know. As soon as the movie ended, the guy, the one guy that I went to see it with, turned around and goes, "So did you all see how many continuity errors there were?" And I guess like. The first time you see Lori's like cabin stuff, her kitchen floor is like tile. But when they go down into the basement, like it's solid tile on the top. But when they go into the basement, it's the hardwood floor and you can see through it. Oh, that's what he meant. I thought he meant like, you know, the uh, continuities with all the sequels. No, he meant like in the movie, like just things changed and he was, that's all he cared about. But then the other, my other friend told me, He's like, so you think the granddaughter is going to become the new Michael? <laughs> I was like, where did you get that? Where did you get that hint? Where did you think that was going to come from? And apparently, it's because she was holding the knife. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's the sole fact she's holding the knife. I think that just more means that the evil within the family is is there to stay. Like it, it's pass being passed on through all the generations, regardless of whether Michael is dead or locked away or not. It's just always going to be a present torturing memory yeah. for all of them. The damage is done. If anything, I could see her becoming like the girl from Halloween 4 and 5, his niece. But mm. not that much. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't end well for his niece. No, not in H2O at least. No, the curse of Michael Myers, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, then H2O, which was like the earlier version of this, we'll say, which kind of retconned all the sequels up to that point and brought them back. That was like I mean, a definitive death until the sequel to that. And it's like, oh. No, it wasn't really him. He switched clothes with some other dude. And then he just unceremoniously killed uh, Laurie. Which is why we have another reboot. I mean, in a way, H2O can still follow the timeline. Because I know in 4 and 5 they say Laurie was dead. Yeah. But, like, I think in H2O they said that that she changed her name and moved away. Oh, really? And they could have easily said she abandoned her daughter. Hmm. That'd be pretty messed up. I mean, she wasn't, right? She had a son. In H2O, didn't yeah, but, yeah, but that was like years later, so she would have been more like mentally stable at that point. Uh, well, <laughs> in the case of this movie, more mentally unstable. Yeah, she's not okay. No, but see, no one wanted to listen to her, and they paid the price. It's all that fucking Activia yogurt. <laughs> Activia, blow it out your ass. <laughs> <laughs> or as Eric would say, blow it out your ass. Yeah, well... In short, Venom, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you're probably not going to, so I don't need to uh, give a recommendation on that, but I wouldn't recommend it anyway. Maybe a uh, a, a rental at best. Halloween, I say do watch. I think it is worth watching. If you are a fan, even if you're not a fan, go watch the original and then watch this one. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Maybe at, at most a little underwhelmed, but not disappointed. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. Affirmative agreement. I like that. Well, that's all I have. And without further ado, if you're a new listener, then of course we have all the links laid out for you in the about section on the YouTube page. We're on all the social medias. We got the audio formats in other places. You know, it'll be on the screen. But if you're look, listening to this, not watching it, yeah, just search Utterly Nonsense Podcast on Google. 
I'm sure you'll get somewhere useful. And we do these things from time to time. So if you like commentary about movies, comics, television, all that shit, we do it. And if you like our opinions, if you don't like our opinions, subscribe anyway. Please. And uh, do you have any closing statements? I am something of a loser myself, Eddie. Well, without further ado, I'm Jean Cags, and here with Mike. I'm Mike Merwitch, fucker. You bet your ass. And this has been Utterly Nonsense. Cue that 8-bit outro. Happy Halloween, Michael.